Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are and what time it is where you're joining us from. My name is Yoli, and welcome to the St. George's Park Town Podcast. On today's episode, the third Sunday of Advent Sermon by Reverend Eben. May I speak in the name of God, the source of all being, eternal word and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Not uh, too long ago, I was called to the Donald Gordon Hospital, just up the road here, to pray with a patient in their 40s. The person had terminal cancer and was, in fact, close to death. It wasn't a pretty sight. Um, And I actually started feeling literally sick. And so I had to sit down. And amid the awkwardness of the moment, it actually became um, an opportunity for me to enter into the situation of the anguish of especially the family who had faced a, a crisis of faith. A hospital ward can seem eerily similar to a prison cell from which you cannot escape when there isn't real hope. And despite your best efforts to believe, to pray, sometimes it just doesn't work. And it feels like God is nowhere. And you experience silence and emptiness. As as humans have the power of belief and the power of doubt. Doubt that is so serious that it's basically unbelief. And we have to acknowledge that these have real influences over our emotional well-being. Hope in the morning, as part of our beliefs, can propel us out of bed to pursue great ambitions. Whilst doubt and despair to the verge of depression can hold us back and have such a strong hold over our minds, no matter how hard we try to believe. And it is clear that even the strongest of believers have moments of crises of faith. John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the Messiah, with such conviction and zeal that he cries out, Behold, the Lamb of God faces a dark night of the soul, doubting whether it was worth it all. And he finds himself in this dark, damp, probably reeking cell without being afforded any human rights at the time. He had hopes of a new world of justice being established in his time. But probably more than anything now, he doubts his own interpretation of the prophecies. And there could be no greater existential crisis than the disillusionment that one faces of one's own abilities to derive at the truth, the doubt of oneself. People naively believe that spiritual leaders have it all together, that their faith can weather any storm, and that they are approachable to answer all questions. On the contrary, priests, probably more than anyone else, 
have, uh, or rather don't have, a simple, steadfast faith. Their intense interaction with pastoral problems, ethical decisions, and unanswerable questions push them often to confusion as they try to reconcile real-life events with what the Bible says and tradition teaches. And the extreme is often that it's usually a facade that is presented. And what we don't see is the turmoil of the personal struggles and the lack of joy amid the acquiescing to the cliches that we so often use. Some years ago, I went through a particularly difficult time in my ministry, and I was desperate. I remember I slumped next to my bed in what was supposedly a kneeling position, and in my anguish, I felt that I could almost see Jesus kneeling next to me, crying with me. And I can only describe it as the most, one of the most spiritually significant moments of my life. That Jesus had complete understanding and solidarity with my plight. But strangely, I also sensed that he wasn't going to take away my struggle. And it was such a contrasting moment because he felt my pain. And that was given... And that gave me the ability to renew my strength and to experience relief. And this is the power of empathy, the message of the cross. That in the bearing of our sufferings, we are made more than conquerors. And it is the harnessing of our doubts that actually strengthen our belief and leads us into a greater understanding of the whole. In this proxy conversation that Jesus has with John, he does not tell him off for his lack of faith or disrespecting Jesus, but he invites John to see the larger picture and affirms him that his faith is not in vain. John's doubts brought him to this point of movement where he could enrich his otherwise and previously dualistic worldview to become a multi-dimensional perspective where he can actually experience an increase of faith. And that prison cell of isolation and mental deterioration became a doorway to spiritual liberty. Yesterday at the ordination service, Bishop Steve gave a very moving and personal sermon of how we become so good at performing the rituals that it is done without love. Love for Jesus and love for his people. And truth be told that any person can actually go up to the altar and just recite the words of consecration. But what makes true belief is becoming the embodiment of broken bread and poured out wine. Living with a humble and vulnerable uh, spirit helps us to deal when doubt, whether it's rational or emotional, pushes us into a state of loneliness. When we feel a sense of loss, perhaps even terror, of having slowly or rapidly foregone those strong convictions once held. 
Brian McLaren, um, a postmodern theologian and author, recalls of having a conversation with a woman who engaged with him and that she was lamenting that there was no one to help her when she experienced the grief of her dying faith. Often, there are people to surround you and encourage you when you grieve the loss of a person. But that part of her had slowly been overcome by disbelief, disenabled her to connect with her community. And that sense of loss was a moment of complete loneliness and isolation, a crisis of faith and of personal being. And this phenomena is actually more pervasive than we would like to admit, even within our own community. And perhaps it echoes R.E.M.'s song, Losing My Religion, wherein Michael Stipe alludes that his beliefs, or what he refers to as the dreams that he holds, are just fantasies. And as he comes to the realization of his life, he is pushed into a corner, and the reality of his life is lost and a crumbling mass. But that song is just, it's not just about religion, but about the archetypes of beliefs. Liberation theology, feminism, Black Lives Matter, and other movements are shaking the foundation of what we thought democracy is and what we perceive as a peaceful community. And you only have to scratch beneath the surfaces to realize that there are issues brewing underneath. And so what we do is that we just stick our heads in the sand, avoiding to deal with the crises of prevailing racial tensions. The idea that we have to in, uh, partake in restorative justice. And the church is looked upon as an example to, to make wrongs right. And issues like the distribution of wealth and inequality. And nobody really wants to take these things on. Our world is tearing at the seams. And no belief system is remaining intact. Amid the frantic descent into this existential fragmentation and increasing descent, especially amongst young people, it is those who see doubt as a doorway that will lead to a new world being created. The world that we live in is no longer safe or have much tolerance for comfortable beliefs. Brian McLaren says, faith before doubt is about holding the perceived correct beliefs. Faith after doubt is about revolutionary love. Faith expressing itself in love can hold this tension of the complexities and the perplexities of competing beliefs and realities in a search of a truth and the harmony of the various beliefs that we encounter. In order to reach that harmony, we have to go beyond pragmatism. We have to take a stance of being post-critical. And that looks like being committed 
to the mystery of life, the mystery of God, in order to make a valuable contribution to the process of belief development. Most importantly, I think that we need to discern what is life-giving. And we have to do an honest introspection of our souls to realize that which is not. And what habits are we still using and partaking of that in the long run will damage our souls? And it is often through art, music, that spiritual transcendence are gained. And instead of accepting defeat, of accepting that God is just not good, or that He isn't actually real, and I just have to accept my lot, or alter my theology, lower my faith and my expectations, the actual reality is that our life experiences have so much more depth than what we immediately perceive. And for us to just allow doubt to triumph over us and to make us into nominal or pseudo-believers, our critical thinking, which is encouraged, should push us to question our naive, fundamentalist, dualistic, simple faith to a point of exploring the richness of transcendence. And in doing so, overcome our limited perceptions and in that, welcoming the wildness of Jesus. Jesus, who is this person who dances in the paintings of the blind, who is heard in the melodies of the mute, who reveals his character in the suffering of the sick and is joyful among the poor. That is the prophecy that we hear this morning from Isaiah. And it's the contrast that is required to redeem the power of belief and the power of doubt and holding that tension together. And it is in the desert where there will be fields of blossoming flowers. And it is in doubt that Jesus' love is most felt, it's most real, even when it isn't obvious. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the St. George's Town podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a WhatsApp voice note on 076-803-1465.